Hey friends, thanks so much for finding the What Had Happened Was podcast. It's me, Amelia Robinson from Dayton.com. I have a real sportastic podcast for you, but it's not just about sports. It's about some life too. I sat down with LeVar Glover. I've been wanting to dive deeper into his story since I chatted with him a few months ago when he was featured on Dayton.com as a Daytonian of the week. To say that he has had a unusual life is an understatement. LeVar and I talked about growing up project adjacent. It's a thing. His career in the NFL, he played for the Steelers and the Bengals and several other teams as well. How he raised his 15-year-old brother while attending UC, the roommates and all that late night party and stuff. Eh, they had to have a talk. We talked about his home for teens. And we talked about how he's trying to help people build bridges to successful lives as part of his work at Community Action Partnership. Fun and inspiring stories are coming right up. The What Had Happened Was podcast is sponsored by Cox Digital Marketing. Let this trusted name in advertising help you find solutions for your digital goals. Find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you find the juiciest podcasts available. Now LeVar is going to tell us what happened was. So if I was to ask you what happened was... What would you say? And started with the phrase, what had happened was. <laughs> oh, man. What would happen was. No, no, sorry. What had happened was. Oh, what had happened. What had happened was. Okay. Sorry about that. What had happened was I grew up in a small town, you know, Dayton. Went to a, a small school in a small township and had to work. Had to work my butt off. Didn't have much. My parents bless their hearts they did the best they could but i was just a kid a kid coming out of dayton with dreams and goals and wanting to to make something of myself i didn't want to live the life that was presented to me when i was a youngster but i'm very thankful for how i grew up because it has given me drive it has given me purpose and it has made me appreciate people in a genuine way i now uh, dedicate my purpose in my life to helping other people in any way possible and just being a sincere person. Playing professional sports has given me a platform to be a role model and to uh, be able to inspire people, be able to lead people. That's what, what happened. Was, yeah, exactly. What happened was. <laughs> so, hey, welcome to the What Had Happened Was podcast. How you doing? I'm doing really good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I've been wanting to get you in here. You were recently one of our Daytonians of the week. And I was like, Dag, that dude has a story that he needs to tell more people in our area. I appreciate it. Gave me a little platform. Highlighted me a little bit. You know, when I played ball, I was... I was highlighted a lot, and um, it put me back in that arena. Just made me feel good overall, and just talking about what I've been doing in the community and, and some of the things that I've done has made an impact, so it makes me feel good. So when you were a little kid, did you think you were going to go into the NFL? Because you, like, I suppose we should say that you played for the Bengals and for the Steelers, I mean, also you played internationally in Canada, right? Yeah, yeah. Did you really think you were going to be a football player? Well, you know, I grew up, my first two sports were golf, golf and okay. baseball. Okay. Uh, well, in the order, it was baseball and, and, and then golf. Okay. But I really liked basketball. I didn't grow up playing basketball early on, but I like Magic Johnson and I like the Lakers. I would tell my my aunt and my uncle, I'm going to grow up and I'll be in the NBA. 
Oh, so you thought so, you're gonna let? So you're not that. You're not that much. Are you taller than me? I couldn't tell. I, I'm very much taller than you. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm I way, don't think that's I am true. Way taller. You. <laughs> anyway, significantly taller. But, uh, than like, <laughs> but no, you know, I was just, a, I was a kid. Um, I, I used to tell my aunt that I'm gonna go to the NBA and I'm gonna play for the Lakers. Oh, really? Um, and so, but yeah. seriously, you, you were like, like, a, what's that one? See, I'm bad with sports. The little short guy. I mean, you're not. I'm not gonna call you a little short guy, but you know, Muxy Bowl. Muxy Bowl. I was yeah. trying to think of his name. I almost had it. <laughs> I would have been that guy. Um, would you, you know. play like point guard or something? Point guard. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But I wasn't that good in basketball. I was just a, <laughs> I was a defensive player. Uh-huh. Uh, but I tell you what, early on when I learned how to write in cursive uh, in second grade, I would always put the great on my on my name tag or on oh, my really? name. And so I don't know what that meant, but you so know, it'd be like the great Lavar Glover, the great Lavar Glover, full name. And my teachers probably <laughs> thought I was crazy, but you know it was fine. You got um, look, kids are crazy a little yeah, bit. You well, got imagination. Are. You got to think of yourself as great. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, a lot of kids think I'm going to do this sport, yeah. I and mean, a lot of kids don't. Like a lot of kids think I'm going to be a basketball player, a football player, and all that. How do you think you actually did it? You know, what I mean, what what about you made you actually? successful at it my brother we 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 wanted to be college athletes we, mm-hmm. we fell in love with college sports we watched college sports college football our big thing was wanting to go to college and get a division one scholarship we wanted okay. to go play division one that was our big thing to go play for ohio state or michigan or oklahoma sooners or nebraska and or that's no, your older brother or your younger my, brother? my older brother okay and so it was um just different time frames for me that's how i i guess formatted my goals I want to go to college. Then once I got into college, it was like, I want to go to the pros. Okay. You know, so it was, it was, it was so kind of like, like, step. you weren't like, I'm going to be a football player, like, a, I don't know, name a, no, um, not like the kids Hanford are. Dixon or something. I don't know. I always name Hanford Dixon. That's like the only football player. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that person, but, but not like the kids the today. So the kids today, oh, I'm going to the NFL. I'm going to the NBA. Uh-huh. You know, for me, it was. I want to go to college. I want to be a college athlete. I want to, um, you know, get a Division One scholarship. That was our biggest thing because obviously we couldn't afford school, so we wanted to get a scholarship. Once I got to college, I want to be a starter. So I became a starter. I want to be all American. And then if I became all American, I'm going to the league. Yeah, it was steps like you said. And and uh, when I became a starter, that's when I really start honing in on trying to uh, get myself noticed and get drafted. So really, um, it's just about this is an avenue to go to college at first. This was an avenue to go to college and an mm. avenue to get out the hood. Okay. Uh, really, it was an avenue to get out the hood. You know, but we we were I, I would say my brother and I we were determined kids. You know, okay. we we knew we wanted to do something greater than where we were. What's your brother's name? His name is Dorian. Dorian. Okay. Yeah. Did Dorian also go to college too? And do he did? He actually, believe it or not. He and my uncle went to college on golf scholarship. Okay. And I'm much better than them in golf. Uh, <laughs> You're much taller put, than me, much better than and them. And taller than them, yes. I, <laughs> Significantly but, taller. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but they went They went to school on golf scholarships. We grew up playing um, in the Dayton Youth Golf Academy at Madden Golf Course, and we actually kind of started that a little You're bit. You're like a founder. Yeah, I, we're the, <laughs> yeah, we were the founders. But, uh, <laughs> they didn't flack um, up their yeah. founders. <laughs> But that's what we did. That's what our Saturday mornings and our summers look like. We played golf and baseball. So, the, and so it kept you like focused and um, yeah. doing the, doing the right thing. Probably it it, it did. It, it allowed us to, I guess, gain exposure because we were um, going to different golf 
courses and we we had a chance to go out of town and stay in hotels the holiday inn was big yeah um, i mean anytime you're like a kid and you oh, go to a hotel it, they have a swimming pool too it's sw- like that was the biggest deal yeah, ever and yeah. so i think that meant a lot for us not having much just the exposure it just opened our horizons to different different things now you mentioned a couple times you didn't have much what, what did your folks do you know what they worked in factories a few factories ncr Monarch. My dad worked for Monarch. Uh, my mom worked for Economy Linen for a while. Uh, and so just, just growing up working in factories. So yeah. grinding, but never having like a lot, a lot extra kind of thing. Never, never extra. Uh, but then I think um, just managing, managing money. I think that was a big deal as well. But then just lifestyle and, and choices that hurt things from time to time. You're, you're a Dayton native. Where did you grow up? I actually, uh, I grew up all over Dayton. I started out in Dayton. Then we moved out in Jefferson Township mm-hmm. for a little bit. And uh, we started out in Jefferson Township schools. Our, my mom wanted to keep us out there. We liked it. It was small, knit, family-oriented. So we actually stayed out in Jefferson Township schools, but we moved all over Dayton. So we lived in Residence Park for a little while, uh, Greenwich Village. We lived across the street from the DeSoto Bass. And See, what so, was that like to live across the street from the DeSoto Pass? I grew up project adjacent, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't grow up in the projects, but I grew up near the projects. What was that like for you? It was it was just reg, it was regular life. It wasn't it wasn't anything odd or out of the ordinary for us. We went to the park and, you know, we made friends, played ball, and our friends were kids from DeSoto Bass. And, you know, obviously we saw things go on, but it was just a part of us it wasn't anything up. to you because it was all, you know, what you knew and what it your was life just was. What, it was just what it was. Yeah. You didn't grow up like most young people. When I was in college, you know, I had myself to take care of, basically. Yeah. I didn't have to. You had your brother with you, too, right? I had my brother, my older brother. I had my younger brother. So you had both brothers with you? I had both brothers, yeah. Okay. Yeah, my brother, my younger brother, six, he's six years apart. So that was like just my little sidekick. I really prepared him for everything, really. We would train. I used to have practice with him when he was two years old. Um, oh, really? Throw the ball off the off the porch and field it. Throw the ball off the and we would. He so would was do he? That for were hours. you were you training him or were you, you teaching him how to play fetch? Which I was, was I was training him. <laughs> we would have practice on our Nerf rim. We had okay. a Nerf basketball rim uh, in the room. And we would have practice on our Nerf rim. So. See, that's good. See, my brother, when he was yeah. doing he was actually training me to play fetch and get him stuff, you know. <laughs> no, it wasn't, it wasn't quite that. But, no, I had my uncle. So my uncle and my aunt, they were, I say, you know, within 10 years apart. Okay. And so a lot of times we lived with our grandmother. Okay. And we were at our grandparents' house a lot. So they were kind of like big brother, big sister. That's who we looked up to. Oh, your uncle, um, your uncle and your aunt, who are the similar age to you almost. Yeah, yeah, well, we're within 10 years. Uh, my uncle, I believe, I'm not going to put his age out there, but yeah, we're within 10 years. Okay, he's like 50-something. Right, yeah, 40, <laughs> he's in his uh, late 40s. <laughs> but uh, they were our role models. That's mm-hmm. who we looked up to, and they were the first ones to go to college. So that's where you know. got it from, that whole, like, wanting to go to college was from them. Yeah, no doubt. We So my, my grandfather, we would go on trips. You know, mm-hmm. so when they were in school, we would be able to travel with them. We would get in the van. We would travel to Ohio State where my aunt went and go either move them in or go get them to move them back mm-hmm. home. That's what we remember. My uncle went to Grambling State University. Okay. And so we got a chance to ex- experience that. To go out of town, actually. To go out of town. Yeah, for so real. That, that I just over to Columbus. Yeah, that's cool. yeah they say the first person to go to college can infect everybody yeah. behind them. Like my little nieces and nephews. Yeah. We got a couple going to college. And I don't yeah. want to say it's because of me, but yeah. I was the first person in my family to go to college. Oh, nice. 
yeah, besides my aunt who went to the military, but that's a little different. Yeah. But I was yep. the first one to go to actual college, so. Yeah. My grandfather, he would always say, you know, the more you learn, the more you earn. But they were they were big components, and we watched this sitcom growing up. I'm not going to name the name, but we watched The Cosby Show. Oh. I'm sorry. I know. <laughs> Let's cross that out. Cut. <laughs> Erase. Delete. Yeah, delete that. Well, you know what? The Cosby Show was a good show. Yeah, it was. I mean, like, I was like, wow, look at black people going to college exactly. and being professional and everything. Yeah. You and really didn't world. see it. Different, different world. world was the bomb, too. Yeah, that was the bomb. So. Yeah, I was like, I need to go to that school. Yeah. But then I went to Ohio University, so it was a little oh, different okay, experience. Cool. Yeah. Slightly different from <laughs> the world of the HBC. Really but <laughs> so you went to you went to UC mm-hmm. and what did you study? I studied criminal justice with a concentration of juvenile delinquency. Okay. And I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. A lot of athletes majored in criminal justice and they would say that, Oh, that's just an easy major and that's uh that's what all the athletes go into because it's easy and they're gonna put you through and all this. But going into college I really wanted to work with people i really wanted to work with young guys so you expected after college to after football to actually work in criminal justice yeah i wanted Mm -hmm. to have my own center okay um i wanted to have some type of youth center that came to light a little bit with the group home but i really went in saying that i want my own center for youth you raised your brother a little bit too yeah helped you could you tell me before you helped him get him on this right path a little Mm -hmm. bit how did it all happen you know what my brother it happened like this little bro just different generation. Like I said, we were six years apart. He got mm-hmm. caught up in like his appearance, wearing the name brand stuff, Jordans and Tommy Hilfiger and, and Polo and all that. So Polo, he got, he that's got, so funny that Polo was yeah, yeah, but he got caught up in the peer pressure of that. And so my brother actually dropped out of school. He was going to Dunbar at the time. And we saw some, some stuff going on when he was in eighth grade, but he actually dropped out of school when he was in ninth grade. So he was able to drop himself out or how did he drop it? He did not go? He just didn't go. Okay. He just, I mean, it would be like twice a week or mm-hmm. we would see trends or patterns of, you know, he's missing two days out of the week. I think at this time, my brother and I, we were in college okay. at this time. So we were out of the house. So it was just my mom and him. My dad, had, my dad was gone anyway. And I think my mom for a time worked second shift. Uh, for a time, she worked third shift. And so little bro had nobody there with him pushing him. Or, or there physically with him, being a role model. I mean, he had a lot of freedom to do whatever. And what he um, wanted to do was not go to school and, and, what, and run streets, probably. And he started hanging around the, the crowd of where we lived uh-huh. at, you know, Greenwich Village. He just stopped going to school. And, I, and so I would intervene uh, just because we were close. And I would call home and I would let my mom know. And, or we would talk and, and I had always had influence on my brother. And so I would get him to come down to Cincinnati with me. For the weekend and uh he would come up there and just spirits be lifted so that happened frequently and he would he started coming down every weekend he would spend the night out with me and my college roommates and he would just light up it was almost like he hated to go back to that situation at home and i just said you know what you need to come here live with with me and my mom was all for it she was oh just, that's great yeah she was all for it my other family members wasn't my grandmother who raised us as well she was like why are you doing that Right. You're a kid. Because you were a kid, really. I, I was. 20, 19, 20. So <laughs> I was. Yeah, that's a big responsibility to take on while you're trying to, like, get through school and, yeah. you know, play football and do all this other stuff and live your lives. It was. So did you have to, like, stop doing those kind of college boy stuff or become, like, a man? No. Or did you have to... <laughs> you <laughs> a know? man. I'm a man now. Well... <laughs> 
God's a man now. Um, you know what? I, I was pretty focused anyway. Okay. At this, it, was, it was crazy because I did that stuff. I had fun, but I, I did it in moderation. Or, okay. You know, I wasn't too wild. I was always focused. And so at this time, I was already thinking about going to the NFL. I wasn't doing a lot of the things that the college kids did anyway. But I did have to tighten up and change everything. I even um, had to change my roommates after the first year because when my brother first came, we lived with two roommates. They were just enjoying college life. Partying, doing oh, stuff, being kids, yeah. It was crazy, and so here were I am. Were they football kids too? They were football kids, okay. yeah. One was from Miami, Florida. And the other one was from Los Angeles, California. Trouble so, right there. And here Trouble I am from team. Ohio. Right. So. <laughs> now hold the phone just one second. Lavar's going to tell us what had happened with those Trouble with the Tea roommates in a few minutes. But first, I wanted to remind you that you are listening to the What Had Happened Was podcast. And I'm Amelia Robinson from Dayton.com. And Dayton.com is, of course, your source for what to do, what to know, and what to love about Dayton. One of the things I hope you and all sports fans love is WHIL sports anchor Mike Hartsock's new podcast, Stay Right There. Mike sits down with local athletes and sports experts from Dayton. You can find Stay Right There and the What Had Happened Was podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and wherever else you find podcasts. That said, LeVar, what happened with those roommates? They are just bringing the party to the house. And I'm like, guys, we have a 15-year-old here. Uh-huh. We can't play that music or we can't have that person over here. We can't have that girl dancing on that yeah, table like exa- that. Exactly. We, we can't be drinking that. What are you doing? We are you college know. students, right? So, you know, <laughs> I, I, did, I did shape up my behavior okay. um, because I, I feel like, hey, this is serious. And, man, if I want you to you know, do the right thing. I got to do the right. Thing. And so after the first year, we moved out and we got to just, we got our own spot. So you're going to have an apartment with them then? I had an apartment, a one bedroom apartment. And i tell you how much, how on the straight and narrow I was. We had a one bedroom apartment. The bedroom was really big. It okay. was in Clifton, but I put two beds in the room. So we slept in the same room. Oh, that is some dedication right Ded- there. <laughs> dedication we slept we had two queen size beds in one room yes see here's the thing too my brother's feet smell like doritos when we were kids <laughs> and i would tell him this too so i'm not talking out of school i was you like you, i didn't want him in my room <laughs> we would you smell bad buddy <laughs> he he thought that was the coolest thing i bet in he the did world. yeah especially and big brother like football player brother college kid brother yeah yeah so he thought that was cool and and i like i said my parents they actually both had to be there. I had to actually go down. We had to go in front of a judge, and I had to get like guardianship of him. Wow! Uh, so it all worked. It all worked out. My brother, he started doing what I did when I had to go to the library to study. He, he went, went with you when I did my workouts. He went too, and so he just became a part of the football family. So basically, he was on the football team, but he wasn't playing really. He was there. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was he was there. I wish he could have got like a little equipment man job uh-huh. or yeah. something like that. You know, he had school, so he couldn't really do that. I had study table. He went to even uh, when we had meals, we had a training table. That, you know, they they treated us differently, you know, than the other kids at school. Right, so, right. Uh, he came. He was allowed to eat. A lot of times that was our dinner. Oh, that's so, nice. That's cool. A little discounted yeah. meal for <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Do you think that was why you wanted to work with kids then? or No doubt. No doubt. That's what gave me my passion. I was going to name it, name uh, the group home after him. I didn't. That's why I did it. Because the kids that I work with, when I was in college, I had a chance to work at uh, the Tauber House. 
uh, okay. down in Cincinnati. And I worked with juveniles that were experiencing the same thing, dropouts or, you know, trying to sell drugs or whatever. So I'm like, man, you just like my little brother. I mean, look like him, walk like him. Talk like him. Yeah. Talk like him. I mean, you guys have the same type of swag or whatever. That's where it came from. And I told him that. So I thought you go to NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it like to be in the NFL? Is it like a fun party all the time or is it like hard work or what is it? It is definitely, you definitely got to take it seriously. Okay. Um, It is your job. It is your profession. It is your career. If that's what you, you know, uh, that's how you have to treat it. Every day matters. It, it does not matter if it's a walkthrough or a full out practice or film study session. Every day counts. You got to let your ego go. Because when you come in, you are a rookie and um, you are a low man on the totem pole, especially me not being a, a you know, a, a big name, high yeah. first round draft pick. You got to prove yourself every single day. But it's filled with more more guys like you than it is those big oh, no doubt. guys. Yeah. 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 Mm. So, I mean, but it was great. I mean, it's awesome just to be there. And so probably about the first month I had to get past being starstruck. Okay. And so the first the first month was like, oh my God, there's Jerome Bettis, there's Heinz Ward, these are Hall of Famers, uh-huh. and I'm like, you, and you know, like playing these people? I'm I'm yeah, I'm I'm playing against them or I'm on their team, right. and so you know Corey Dillon, I'm like I'm in the same locker room, oh man. So at first it was that. Okay. But if I kept that up and and uh, you know was starstruck like that, I wouldn't have been on the team long. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I had to get that out of my brain. And say, you know what? That's competition. Or I gotta defeat, my, conquer, I win. Got, right? Exa- I gotta do something. I right, can't right. just be here. Like, oh my god! Like I said, every day matters. Your ego. <laughs> you gotta, and you gotta know your stuff. So, professional football, I would say that you're gonna have the top athletes, but you got the top athletes in college. Right, right. What makes professional sports the way that it is, and what makes professional football, those guys really know their stuff. I mean, they're not any more athletic than college, but I thought what, you were going to say not any more athletic than me, and I was no, going to say they no. are. Well, <laughs> well, kidding. no, we're, yeah, I was very athletic, but but no, but um, what makes what makes guys in the pros that good is that that's they study that stuff. They okay. really know the game. They are students of the game. They practice their skill. It can be little small stuff. It can be practicing how to fall. It's I'm telling you, it is a skill that all you have to do is study this skill or practice this skill or study this move or watch this tendency from the other team. Okay. Or guys really know what they're doing. They are professionals. You would be amazed. I know I was amazed at how smart guys were. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were intelligent about that football stuff. Well, I think they realize that that's, like you said, that's their passion, that's their thing, that's what they're, that's what they're getting paid to do. I got to know it. That's what made them great. That's what made, uh, you know, the great ones that much better because they studied the game. They knew where they were supposed to be. Even if they weren't as athletic as you were, okay. they knew they had to be there. And that's Well, that's what I say. People always say instinct or talent or, like, whatever like that. A lot of things are not okay. talent. A lot of things are actually you are doing a craft. Oh, like they said, that's a natural born singer. No, that singer has practiced for years and years and exactly. years to hone that craft. Yeah. yeah. And you played in all, all how many years? I played a total of 10 years. Okay. I would say I was pursuing, it may have been longer than that, but you know, I would say where I was actually on a team. Okay. 
but yeah, I pursued the NFL for two to three years and bounced around a little bit. It was on, it was teams where I was there for, you know, 30 minutes, <laughs> but a week, two weeks, a couple of hours. And then, you <laughs> got know, a shower, a shower and a sandwich. That's and that it. Was it. Breakfast. Yeah. I got breakfast and then I was out, but I played uh, arena football, which was awesome, mm-hmm. uh, which was fun. Played with Jay Gruden down in uh, Orlando. And so I played that for about two years. And then I went over to Canada. Canada was just the best experience. I felt like I was in college again. What was that? Because so, it was just fun or wasn't that? It, it was fun. It was guys trying to prove themselves all over again. Okay. Uh, and the great thing about the Canadian Football League is that it was the job. But our workday ended around 1230 noon, one o'clock. And okay. so we had the rest of the day to do what you wanted to, to do. do what we wanted to do in a, in another country. Um, and what did you do? Just- <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know if we want to talk about that. <laughs> it was it was fun. We um I played a lot of golf. OK. Played a lot of golf, played a lot of cards. We we had games. We had, you know, we, we were so close uh, when I when one of the teams that I was there when I was in British Columbia. We were so close and our coach loved it. Uh, oh, that's awesome. We would we would stay in the locker room for hours playing cards and gambling <laughs> <laughs> for little pennies right for, yeah. yeah for pennies yeah. or yeah. or like uh yeah paychecks yeah yep. <laughs> yep. per diem roll per diem i mean it was terrible it was it was a it was bad really it got bad so <laughs> but uh we we did it we um we experienced all of canada i mean mm. They they loved us because we were American, so they loved us being over there. And then that we were athletes, like oh my gosh, yeah. But if I had to live in Canada, I would play hockey because if you are a hockey player, you are the man. Oh yeah, so. oh yeah. <laughs> you don't have any teeth, but you are the man. You are the man, right? No teeth, so. one eye. Cause yeah, we're... that's okay. That's okay. So did your body get all beaten up though from playing football for so long? Not as far really. As... Okay. Not really. That's one thing got... they say that you do it. I got a couple pinkies, you know, <laughs> that that's messed up forever. But this was because of my own doing. Uh, I didn't um, take the proper procedure of fixing it. Okay. But uh, my knees are good. You know, I still run. Uh, my shoulders are a little weak, but okay. It's okay. You know, I'm. I, I wouldn't say that I'm. I I would say that I'm okay. Sometimes I think that I've had concussion problems, but I don't. But so it was like a, like a headache or something like that every once in a while. You know, like, just when I don't know something or can't remember something. <laughs> yeah, it might be because but, you're getting a little older. So yeah, let's not talk that, about that it. Too. Let's not talk about it. Uh, but no, <laughs> no, I'm, no, I'm fine. <laughs> Health wise, I, I feel good. Then I got boys. I got young boys. So okay. they, they keep me young and keep me active. So would you want them to do like football or following your step do sports? I'm not sure with football. I'm not sure if they if they want to then I think I would, you know, be there to support. I, I think football and, and, you know, being on teams, period, you can learn a lot from playing sports. I think okay. you can gain a lot from it that you can use in life as well. So just had a new son, a okay. new baby. He's seven months. And I am determined to make him a golfer. Okay. And a baseball player. <laughs> You're so determined to make him I a am, golfer? <laughs> he, is, he will be a golfer. His, yeah, he would be a golfer and, and track too. So, so you already have his little boy's already, <laughs> life planned yeah. out: golf, yep. track, and, and baseball. And baseball, yeah, all those he, things. Those would be his top three sports. So, <laughs> if he wants to pick up football later on down the road, then yeah. Why, why is that? Because those are like easier, not easier sports, but what? Why is it that you want would rather him well, do that than football? Well, golf. Okay, 
So since I had my son, you know, I'm getting up there in age. I'm still in my 30s. But (laughs) but since I had my son, I just, you know, I've been thinking about living forever. So I've been changing my diet, eating healthy and working out more. I was thinking about something that I can do with my kids where I can still train them and still be active. Okay. And so running, which I do often now, so I can run forever. Okay. I'm, you know, God willing. And uh, golf. Golf is something. So in 20 years, I'll be probably in my uh, late 50s. Right. Okay. So that's something that I could still do with my son as he's 20 years old. Okay. So you're just planning for future activities with this boy. Future activities. That's a good idea. So that's why (laughs) that's why that came about. And in baseball, you know, hey, there's guaranteed contracts in baseball, not in football, but in baseball. If my sons had to do anything, it's going to be baseball. There you go. Boom, boom, (laughs) boom. (laughs) Got to keep doing it. Yeah. So, and I love baseball. You did open up a center after you came back to Dayton. I did. What was the name of the center? It was Glover Youth Program. And that was, you had you had young guy, young kids in it, and then you were helping um, foster kids, right, in the yeah, court yeah. system. So they were all, they were all uh, referred from children's services throughout the state of Ohio, but I worked with Montgomery County. Later on, we got, we worked with uh, Department of Youth Services, okay. and those were your more serious offenders, but they were young adults. Okay. And so we had one house that was focused on the young adults. And then we had the other house that was basically teenage group. So from 12 to 18, they were foster kids. Yeah. Okay. What was that like? Was it what you thought it was going to be? Was it harder or? You know, it it was. I worked in that field. And so uh, I knew what I was getting myself into. But it was tough. It it was. Just when you're dealing with so many different dynamics. Kids, kids are going to be kids. Right. But then when you have to factor in uh, medications that they're on or mental disorder, emotional disturbance and abuse. And so that was a huge factor is these kids are coming to us abused, you know, sexually, mentally, physically. It is so many factors that come into play. And then working with children's services. You know, even though we were a provider for children's services, they always had to take a protective stance. Right. If a kid wanted to get his way, he would make up something and Mm -hmm. say, hey, I'm not getting fed here or they are putting their hands on me or they sexually abuse me. And the county had to investigate or whatever, investigate that. and, And, you know, hey, take that kids, you know, take it as. It was happening. Right, right. And so that's that's the part that made it tough is going through those type of legalities, I guess. But we had fun. We did good. We had fun. We weren't just a, a holding place. We weren't just a, a typical group home where, hey, you guys just stay here. We're going to feed you. No, yeah. we were out in that. We were out in the community. We were cleaning up the community. We were working in the community. We were volunteering all the time. We were taking trips. I mean, we took field trips once a week. Okay. Uh, we had regular memberships at the recreation centers, at the Croc Club, at the Y. My kids was in the sports. We went to Kings Island, Cedar Point. We did things like that. We went to a Cavs game. I mean, we were doing things that was unheard of for for that that arena. Because usually, you know, it's, it, it's, t- it's such a protective measure taken that, well, no, we can't go off. You can't grounds. be. You can't let them be kids. We you can't be, be yeah. kids mm-hmm. because you don't know they're going to hurt themselves, or you can't go too far outside of Dayton right, because right. something's going to happen. Or what are you going to do when they get into a fight? Hey, we're going to handle it like we always handle fights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, 
but I, I'd say we had fun. Um, and uh, but it was tough. Yeah. And the tough. The one of the toughest parts again was making sure the kids are going to be kids, right? Right, right. You you know coming into it that they're going to get into whatever. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to make bad decisions. Especially a group of kids who who have problems. Especially a group yeah. of kids that got problems, or even without the serious problems, kids are just going to make mistakes. We all make mistakes. Right, right. But my the biggest thing that was surprising was how tough it was to manage your staff. Okay, and yeah. And to make sure that they um, were, you know, properly um, trained and and uh, properly handling the kids. And that was the toughest part because they made bad decisions. Okay. And made mistakes. And that w- that's what made it tough. Yeah, you have room. The kids have room to make mistakes. Adults don't have room to make mistakes. Oh, yeah. Not in that field because there's such a liability. So one bad mistake or one mistake on an incident report or not doing an incident report or not making an important call could shut you down. Okay. That's what we... Or handling a kid because you're not emotionally strong enough to verbally communicate so now you got to be forceful and that's not what we want so what you ended was because it was too much work to handle the staff or it's true when one door closes another one opens lavar is about to let you know why he changed courses in his life but first i want to tell you that you can continue to help me bring stories like his to this podcast by subscribing and rating the what had happened was podcast on apple Podcasts. Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And if you like what you hear, tell your friends. And join Cox Digital Marketing in becoming a sponsor. Cox Digital Marketing wants to help you find solutions for your digital goals. Check them out. It took a lot for LeVar to step back from his home for youths. He's going to explain what was the final push. You know, I ended it, to be perfectly honest, I ended it. I got burnt out a little bit. Yeah. Um, I got burnt out. I would say uh, some things happen when things happen and you're the owner and your name is on it. You may not even have done anything what what happened, Mm -hmm. but because your name is on it, it comes down on you and something happened. I was I was threatened with um, not being able to work with kids or people in schools, coach. And I'm like, man, I got my own kids. What? You know, and that really put a uh, sour taste in my mouth. It kind of punched me in my stomach. And so from that point on, I knew uh, it was a year from that point where I said, you know what? I'm going to try something else after when this year is up. Okay. And that's what I did. It wasn't bad management. I mean, we could have been rolling till the cows came on. Right. But it was just like, man, one little thing could uh, jeopardize my whole life. Right. And now I wouldn't be able to you know, coach my own kids or work in the schools or, and, and I said, man, isn't, dang, really? It's a lot of liability. <laughs> it's a lot of risk for you. Yeah. And even when people just adopt, you know, or foster one kid, it's like, yeah, you open up your life to a lot of different things that you don't want. And that's, and that's what it was. My kids were young and they were growing up, but when you're responsible for that, for the, all of those lives, right, right. you bring that home they're a part of your family is just immersed in it. Hey, we are the we run the Glover Youth Program. And so all of my stress and all of my um, worries came to the house. Yeah. And, or if I got that call at two o'clock in the morning, I'm like, dang, 
Okay, you gotta get away. You gotta get up and go over yeah. there and yeah. get time away from your family. Yeah, it's a lot of work. It's always so. amazing when people do it for years, like thirty yeah. years and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, that is. So after that, that's when you went to Community Action Partnership, right? I actually, uh, after that, I went to. Um, I was in the coaching, so I was. I started coaching while I was doing the group home. Okay. And so I thought, and that was another reason too that I was gonna go and be this professional coach and college coach, and uh, so that that was that kind of helped my decision to get out of that because I you know, was going to go coach. So I started my master's in um, athletic administration. And shortly after a few classes, I figured out that I didn't want to do that. <laughs> so it wasn't fun. I don't like school. And, and uh, it was online. And I'm an in-your-face, uh, in-the-classroom type of guy. I couldn't talk to people online and feel like I was having a real conversation. I mean, it was weird. So <laughs> I went to Fairmont High School. Uh, where I coached, okay. and I worked in the school system there for a little while. Oh, I didn't um, know you were a Fairmont coach. Yeah. You call, you taught football over there? Yep, football and track, and I coached basketball for one year. And so that so, kind of got you back out there running around with the, with the kids and all that? Yes, yes. And I actually, they, they gave me a job in the building. I was the in-school suspension monitor. So once again, I was with kids that had behavior issues, and that was I was right at home. So were you like a nice person or were you like a, a disciplinarian who cracked him on the knuckles with the ruler? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was a, a disciplinarian nice guy. Oh, okay. And so they loved me. That's what made it tough because I want to go to ISS. They wanted to come to ISS. Oh, they wanted to come see you. Yeah, they were they were happy to come see me. But then when they came to see me, they had they had a lot of uh, work to do or, you know. It, it was the fun it, was it over at that point. It fun. For them, but just being next to me sometimes, they were like, "Man, this is cool," you know. So. Yeah, probably wanted somebody to like relate to and an yeah. adult and all that. Yeah, yeah. and we have. Fun. How'd you get to um, community action partnership then? From well, um, like I said, I decided not to either do the coaching uh -huh. thing. I was looking, and I actually never really seriously in my adult life never really looked for a job. Okay, <laughs> and so. It didn't come natural to me to where, okay, put my resume together and I know what jobs are out there. And so I had to start that process over. Um, oh, that's funny. You know, yeah. when you think about it, you do something out so long and then like you get a, <laughs> a I, I wouldn't know how to do it. it. Like I've had the same job for damn near 20 years. I don't know how to. <laughs> and and so it. it was tough. So on uh -huh. my resume, I'm thinking like, oh, I got skills. I can be a director. I, I can be an <laughs> I was an owner and a director of my own program. Right, right. I made all the policy and procedure. But I thought that I could just go to Care Source, so I can go to Miami Valley or be the anywhere CEO. and just be the top guy. But that wasn't the case. <laughs> People probably was laughed. They laughed at my resume or just didn't take it seriously. I don't know. I didn't really have anything on there. My wife actually worked for Community Action Partnership some years ago. I'm not sure if somebody sent her an email of a position and and told her like, hey, I don't know if Lavar is. In, on the job market or looking for anything i think he would be perfect for this i don't know i think that may have happened so she says she said hey i i know you're doing your own search or you got your own plan but she said you might want to take a look at it this is right up your alley so i did and i was like oh yeah okay yeah and um i i, I knew about bridges out of poverty and so that was one of the uh experiences that they want you to have to have knowledge base of Bridges Out of Poverty. I'm like, yeah, I know about Bridges Out of Poverty. What is Bridges Out of Poverty? Bridges Out of Poverty is a framework, a model that Ruby Payne and an author by the name of Phil Duvall created. 
to help professionals work with people that work with people in poverty. Okay. So it's literally bridges out of poverty. Bridges out of poverty, yeah. Okay. Where they where they discuss issues that pretty much talk about poverty from an economic standpoint. Okay. So it's really awesome. Mm-hmm. And so the position was for somebody to facilitate getting ahead, the getting ahead program, which stemmed from Bridges Out of Poverty. It was a new program. It wasn't even really put together. I had the opportunity to come in and and, and kind of put it together at its beginning stage and um, make it to what it is today. Um, and what, what, what is it today? You know what? It is thriving. It is the best <laughs> program in the best decision they've Miami ever made. Valley. It, <laughs> it is. It really is. I've had a lot of fun with it. And what are the programs like? You have um, you have two facilitators. The group is made up of people that have experienced generational poverty. They come to Community Action Partnership for services. And for help. So we, we meet with about 12 to 14 people. We come together once a week for about two and a half hours. And our program lasts for 16 weeks. But like I said, people coming from generational poverty, two generations of, of poverty, it, it's, it's been really good. It's been really good. And your goal is to what? Like get them to see that there's other avenues to success? Our goal is to investigate poverty and, mm. and the causes of, of poverty. One way we do that is investigate ourselves and then we investigate the community because we don't want to come in like, hey, we're telling you what you need to and you should do this and we're going to teach you these skills. Mm -hmm. Everybody else is telling them that. So we we come in with a non-biased approach, a non-judgmental approach and say, hey, we're going to go through this learning experience together. We're going to learn a little bit about ourselves and we're going to learn from the other group members and we're going to build our resources. We're going to come up with a plan and we're going to learn some practical skills to help us become self-sufficient. Um, and that's the goal is to become self-sufficient and to not have to continue to um, depend on services right, right. And, and teach our kids that, hey, this is the way to go. And I'm not saying that services are right or wrong. I'm just saying that to be more stable, you want to become self-sufficient. So in a lot of ways you have come like full circle with the, the journey you started. Like were you, you providing role models to people in the, in the essence? Providing role models, yes. Mm-hmm. Big. Um, people consider me a role model. Right, right. Um, and I say, you know, thank you. But I'm just like you. And I'm learning from you uh, just as much as you're learning from me. But we are role models. That's actually a part of my self-sufficiency plan is once our investigators graduate I want to pair them up with somebody that they can role model, you know, whether it's at a a job, a company, or they want to go and get their education, somebody in education. So whatever their their goal is, I want to pair them up with somebody that they can that they can model. Say, hey, look, if you did it, I can do it, too. Our goal for 2018 and 2019 was to have eight programs in each of those years, eight in 2018 and eight in 2019. We already have. We're halfway through the year. We already have four programs currently. Uh, we have a couple that's been completed. We have one currently uh, in Greene County, which okay. is in Xenia. And shortly down the road, we're going to be doing another one in Greene County. That's actually going to be in Beaver Creek. Four programs in Mo- Montgomery County, two in Greene County. We're going out to Preble. We're going to do one in Preble. And we're going way out to Dart County. We're going to do one out there. Actually, one of our programs, too, that I'm excited about is that we're going to go into the jail system 
we're actually going to do a getting ahead while getting out. And this particular focus is on guys or women that are uh, uh, approaching their release date. Okay. And so we go in 16 weeks or a number of weeks before they get released and we work on building their resources, their support systems, some of some of their directions. So when they are released, that they can have some some type of goal plan. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, right there. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, that's pretty well. cool. A lot of people yeah. need the people need that support no for doubt. sure. Thanks a lot for coming in. I really do appreciate it. I think people are really going to get a kick out of what you say. It's really and hear your passion. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Anytime. Thank you. Now, I told you LeVar had a fun and inspiring story, didn't I? Well worth the wait. Thanks a lot for listening to the What Had Happened Was podcast. Please do stop by again. Until next time, bye-bye.